Welcome to Interviews for Resistance. Since election night 2016, the streets of the U.S. have rung with resistance. People all over the country have woken up with the conviction that they must do something to fight inequality in all its forms. But many are wondering what it is they can do. In this series, we'll be talking with experienced organizers, troublemakers, and thinkers who have been doing the hard work of fighting for a long time. They'll be sharing their insights on what works, what doesn't, what has changed, and what is still the same. I am Sarah Jaffe, your host. My name is Mari Cordes. I am a registered nurse of 30 years, all in Vermont, and I'm a founding board member of Rights and Democracy. And so you were in... Washington D.C. on Thursday when the uh, when the vote went down for health care reform, right? Yes, I've been here since. Um, oh, I actually barely know what day it is today, but <laughs> I believe I've been here since Thursday um, uh, as a candidate. I'm running for House of Representatives again um, in 2018, and I'm here for the pro- uh, progressive. Change Campaign Committee's National Candidate Training, um, selected as one of 300 candidates to attend this amazing training, which coincided with um, more actions uh, by the amazing Center for Popular Democracy and Housing Works um, in the State House, excuse me, in the um, Senate offices, in the Capitol, and um, at senator senators' offices, yeah. so um, I was part of the uh, the protest and the rally outside the Capitol building the night that the vote came down. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about what that was like while you were waiting to hear um, after all that you've been that everybody had been doing for so long. It was uh, an amazing experience to. Here once again, um, many stories of how everyone, everyone, um, not only would have been impacted by the repeal of the Affordable Care Act, um, but everyone is impacted by the reality that our elected leaders intentionally were doing something that equated to attacking the American people. Um, as my friend Samson and I um, were heading toward the, the rally that night at the Capitol, we passed near uh, an outdoor movie theater and it turns out they were playing Star Wars and it, it was the perfect setting to hear that uh, bombastic symphonic music that's in Star Wars mm-hmm. um, because it, all of this just still feels so unreal, so surreal um, that this actually is happening in the United States. Um, and we've heard so many incredible and painful, heartbreaking stories about um, friends, people that we know, people that we don't know that would have died uh, and or families that would have lost their homes and or gone gone bankrupt, uh, all in the name of um, an obsession with an ideology, an obsession with a hatred that a, a black man was president of the United States um, and was successful in creating policy that um, was 
definitely not perfect, but did help millions of people. Um, so it was very powerful to be in that circle, um, that communion of sorts, and um, hold a vigil for for our country, um, whatever the outcome is going to be. And so in that that moment, there was the moment of we're going to lose, mm-hmm. um, and that feeling of hopelessness um, and despair, and then a pause and a quiet moment. And Ben Wickler delivered it beautifully. He became really somber. Um, I thought it meant that we had lost, but it created this silent space for us to hear the um, statement that the vote was no. And uh, I have never, I don't think I've ever experienced um, anything so powerful in in my life. It was incredible. Um, And so that vote was no, um, but you're not stopping. Um, You're going, we're talking on Saturday evening and you're about to head to another rally for healthcare. Um, So tell us about that and tell us about why the fight is still going. Uh, We, we rested for a little bit, actually, we got to bed at 4.30 that morning, um, did rest a little bit, but with the awareness that we're still, the American people are still under attack and uh, on many fronts, uh, not just uh, healthcare, but um, the liberation of of many, the freedom and liberation of many, uh, many individuals in this country is at risk. So we can't stop. Um, And in fact, there's no better time to um, increase the pressure and increase our our activism um, than after a win like this, because um, especially those who have um, who were at risk of losing so much, and especially those who've been working so hard in this fight, um, we have that lived experience of. Uh, collective uh, power of movement building working, you know, that organizing works. Um, And so we cannot, we cannot stop. We have to take this momentum and move forward. Um, What are some, as you went went to DC a few times, you were involved in a lot of organizing, even though Vermont obviously did not have a Senator that was going to vote yes on this thing. Um, but what are some of the important lessons that you learned from the seven months of fighting to try to, um, you know, stave off cuts to healthcare? I think the most important lesson um, is to never give up uh, in, a, in a fight like this. Never give up. I've been very active in working in Vermont um, towards a universal publicly funded health care system that gets rid of uh, the insurance, the um, highly profitable insurance companies um, out of the uh, health care picture um, and, and creating a real system. Um, and we've had our successes in like in Act 48 in Vermont and um, we've lost in Vermont uh, when uh, Governor Shumlin uh, pulled the plug um, on that. We're still working hard in Vermont to move towards um, 
a universal publicly funded system. Um, so I would say the that's the most important thing. We we have to keep going. Um, it's okay to rest for a little bit and take care of each other and ourselves, but we have to keep moving forward. Yeah, yeah. I was. I want to go back to the situation in Vermont in a minute, but um, was there a particular moment or a particular tactic, something like that, that when you were there that you thought was particularly successful? Some moment that maybe you saw somebody's mind change, anything like that? I think there were many moments that I think were successful. But um, they they were more most powerful because each action, um, each arrest um, by many many people. I was in the first group of people um, of uh, 150 or more, and 40 of us were arrested. And then I was in the second group of um, I don't remember how many were in there, but 80 of us were arrested. Um, and then I, the third time, I was a legal support for um, one group, um, and at that, um, um, hundreds were arrested, I believe, in that that action. So I think it was a cumulative effect. Um, in addition to all of the actions and emails and calls um, from people across the country um, that created enough pressure on senators um, and it, all of these actions in the media that they generated, um, including all of the social media, I could see in my own um, personal social media sites, um, people getting engaged that might not have gotten engaged before and doing things and taking action. So it's a cumulative thing. That's the best thing about collective uh, power and movement building. Um, it, it is that it is generative and people, it's obvious now that people are rising up mm-hmm. and that more people realize that organizing does work. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so as you said, you're a nurse, you're a bit a union leader. Um, you've been working on healthcare for your entire life, um, more so than many of the people who are involved in this organizing. Um, why is this such a powerful issue to get people politically organized around? Healthcare is a very powerful issue to get people organized around because it impacts every single person um, personally and often in, in potentially devastating ways. Um, as I mentioned earlier, many people um, that I've met just through doing this action, um, and then all the patients that I work with every day, um, I I know, I hear, I see how um, how critically important having access to healthcare is for them and their and their families. And I, I work at a busy cardiology unit at the University of Vermont Medical Center, and every day I'm at work. When I have three or four patients, I look at each one of them and wonder, you know, what what if they didn't have access to health care, they didn't have insurance, um, if, if they couldn't get health care when they needed it, would they be alive right now? And the majority of the, the huge majority of the time, the answer is no. 
So, um, and then it's personal for me too. I have, um, I have health issues, um, like most of us do. And, um, but I would say if more than anything, um, it's such a huge area of injustice in our country and the fact that in 2000, 2017, we're having to fight to stay alive um, is um, ludicrous, beyond ludicrous. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I wanted to mention, you had, had mentioned to me that you were involved in a fight to end um insurance discrimination against transgender people. And so, of course, this week, while the healthcare fight was going on, Trump came out and, and said that he was going to ban trans people from the military because their healthcare was too expensive. Um, so I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that particular fight that you were in and um, what we can learn from that sort of thinking about dealing with this kind of rhetoric from Trump. Sure. Um my friend Samson and I and uh, Sarah uh, Launderville were all just at the uh, the rally at the White House today for um, around this tweeting Trump tweeting military policy um, changes and uh, I was involved in some major um, change work in Vermont in. Uh, co-leading a, a coalition of organizations and, and people, including physicians that provide medical care for transgender individuals. Um, and the organizations we worked with have been working on um, transgender justice issues for a long time. And in fact, Vermont at the time, I think this was 2011 or 12, mm -hmm. did have a law that said it was um, illegal for health insurance companies not to provide insurance for transgender individuals. Um, but that was a pretty broad statement. And of course, what the health insurance companies did was refuse to cover uh, medically necessary care for transgender people. So and I became aware of that when a, um, an amazing nurse friend who um, is also transgender came to me and um, told me that he needed to have um, surgery um, and, and it was not covered by our hospital insurance. The University of Vermont Medical Center um, self-insures, so they get to decide what their policy looks like. And uh, so we, um, this person and I and the other leaders of these organizations worked together um, to what eventually led to the um, commissioner of the Department of Financial Regulation, which oversees um, insurance companies in Vermont, to issue a clarifying bulletin. Um, and that made Vermont at the time the fourth uh, state in the nation to have such clear language that denying medically necessary care for transgender individuals was against the law. There's a lot of conversations about like how this or that is a distraction yeah, just wondering if there is something about this happening in the midst of the healthcare fight, um, your experience on both of these issues, um, that you think we can learn from going forward as Trump is clearly going to keep doubling down and attacking marginalized groups, especially as he's losing. More than anything, because of all of these attacks 
attacks against uh, marginalized groups uh, more than ever. We need to be unified. And I do see that that happening. Um, I do see people and organizations working towards um, uh, being as unified as possible. Um, it's the, I believe it's the only way that we're not only going to thr- uh, survive, but thrive. Yeah, let's go back then to the, the single-payer struggle in Vermont. Um, Vermont was the first state to vote for a universal publicly funded healthcare system, but had trouble um, getting it implemented. So I wonder if you could tell people a little bit about that process, um, the organizing that got the bill passed, and then the struggles that you've been in trying to continue to move forward with it. We began, um, I was going to say around 2008, um, we meaning uh, the, the Vermont Workers Center um, started the Healthcare as a Human Right, I believe it was in 2008, um, which was an amazing um, grassroots mobilization education um, uh, project all across the state of Vermont um, that um, got thousands of people involved in um, not only the the education of people in the community about why, um, how our healthcare um, system or lack of it um, is broken and what we can do to fix it. Um, and we did things like holding um, people's forums across the state where uh, the, the people led the forums um, with legislators present. Um, so it was, um, a chance for people to hold, ask legislators questions, but also ask them the main question, do you and will you actively work to support um, universally, universal healthcare publicly funded? Um, we, the, the Worker Center organized um, annual rallies and I think before the Women's March, um, it was one of the healthcare as a human right um, rallies on May Day um, that was the largest rally in, in Vermont's um, history. Mm-hmm. And um, eventually, um, working with other organizations like for Vermont for Single, single Payer Now, mm-hmm. uh, that's Dr. Deb's organization um, from PNHP, um, working with other organizations across the state um, led to us winning. Um, and uh, putting pressure by putting pressure on legislators and supporting those who uh, were doing the policy and um, um, taking the political risks, um, we did win Act 48, which um, has within it embedded embedded in it the um, five uh, universal healthcare uh, rights uh, principles. Um, many of us were involved with, uh, I was um, appointed as a commissioner to two of, at the time, Governor Shumlin's um, work groups, the consumer um, consumer work group for um, 
healthcare to try to move towards the, this new system um, and uh, another commission. And um, there was we did a lot of a fair amount of good good work there. Um, but in retrospect, it seemed like um, a farce that there the you know what was really uh, being planned was not happening in those um, those groups with members of the public and professionals, um, healthcare professionals. Um, it was happening in the the governor's office, and um, so that that meant that eventually. Um, Governor Shumlin and some of the legislators um, decided that uh, we didn't have the, they didn't have the political capital to, to pull this off. So um, they, they pulled the plug on it. And so where are things now with them? Um, you have a different governor now, um, but so what are things like on the ground in Vermont working on healthcare at the state level? We're organizing, um, always organizing. Um, actively, I personally have been, many of us have been involved in uh, beginning to pull again, uh, major, the, the, the main organizations that are working towards uh, a universal publicly funded health healthcare system. Um, and now working together to figure out what that looks like going forward. Um, so we're, we're back on the ground, um, organizing in communities, setting up town halls, um, talking with legislators. The uh, one possible step that actually um, was in the state house as a bill last year is um, universal primary care, um, which would do just what it says is um, provide um, access to health care for everyone in, in Vermont um, as primary care. And primary care is um, often one of the obstacles that um, people face when they're, they're sick or have something going on. And it's the obstacle that they choose um, because they don't have, actually it's not a choice, uh, their, their choices are um, they can't they can't afford it they can't ac access it so they they don't go um, and then they get sicker and end up in the ED um, with a, a worse condition or um, as uh, a patient that I remember a, a young man who had a simple infection that um, waited too long and um, it turned into a devastating full system infection that, that killed him. Um, and it was something pretty simple that could have been fixed had he been able to access primary care. Um, so that's what we're working on uh, now. Yeah. Um, and so you mentioned at the beginning that you're running for office. Um, so tell us what your, what your platform is. And um, I presume that a uh, universal healthcare will be part of it. Yes, um, it is, and it was. I ran in, uh, I mentioned, 2016. Um, so 
my my main platform I, items are um, working towards an economy that works for us all, um, and that includes um, having a healthcare system um, and working for toward progressive tax reform um, that ensures corporations and the wealthy pay their pay their fair share, uh, but further developing and safeguarding the public services that are the, the foundation of strong communities. Um, also that uh, we must, Vermont must lead on climate change. Um, I'm also a board member of 350 Vermont. Um, and quality education, we've had some um, major changes in how uh, um, School governance is run in Vermont with the passage of Act 48, which was very controversial mm-hmm. um, and in many ways took away the local um, direct engagement away from, um, you know, small, small towns um, with the intent, the intent or the um, stated intent of Act 46 of one of them is to help reduce property tax burden. Um, and I'm not sure how effective that's going to be. There are some um, one-time savings that um, we we will see, um, but the real issue is that the biggest line item in um, a school district's budget is um, health insurance for educators and staff. So until we get control over that, um, it's going to be a ma- still going to be a major issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'll continue to work um, very hard in um, organizing, um, but also as a representative and representing my district um, to develop a healthcare system that um, is administered, financed and administered publicly um, with strong and transparent government regulation um, and ample public engagement. Yeah, Um, excellent. And so how can people keep up with you and your campaign and your um, healthcare organizing? A couple of different ways. They can go to uh, maricordis.org and um, there's uh, Facebook and Twitter links on my website, maricordis.org. Um, you can also find me um, uh, on my personal Facebook page, uh, Mari Cordis or uh, Mom Dog, M O M D O G. And um, I'm working with Rights and Democracy a lot, so I'd encourage people to follow Rights and Democracy um, Vermont and New Hampshire. Um, and I'm a founding board member for Rights and Democracy. Um, so you can also follow follow what we're doing there. Interviews for Resistance is a project of Sarah Jaffe with assistance from Laura Fayebois and support from the Nation Institute. You can find more information at necessarytrouble.org. Thanks for listening.